You're listening to Deal by Deal, a McGuire Woods independent sponsor podcast. Deal by Deal invites you to conversations with experienced independent sponsors and other private equity professionals. Join McGuire Woods partners Greg Hover, Jeff Brooker, and Rebecca Brophy as they explore middle market private equity M&A to provide you with timely insights and relevant takeaways. Hi, and welcome to Deal by Deal, a podcast presented by McGuire Woods for the independent sponsor community. This is your host, Greg Hover. I'm a partner in the Chicago office of McGuire Woods in our private equity group. And I'm joined today by a special guest, Christian Berger, who's a senior advisor at McGuire Woods. He focuses on new clients and helping existing clients in the firm's private equity practice. Since joining the firm in 2015, Christian has received a number of industry awards, including personally collecting the award for the most innovative law firm in the business of law from the Financial Times in 2018, and Executive of the Year by Legal Sales and Service Organization in 2018. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Fred. And I'll just say that Christian is a unique and fantastic member of our team here at McGuire Woods. Whereas uh, myself and other uh, partners and, and associates in our group are spending the, the bulk of our days, you know, negotiating and closing M&A deals, uh, Christian is not a lawyer and he is able to focus his days on, you know, spending the bulk of his time working with our group to find new clients and the topic for today, which is investor introductions and how our group uh, works with independent sponsors to introduce them to investors in our in our network. And so maybe let's start there, Christian. Tell me a little bit about the investor introduction process and the role that that plays being distinct from, you know, capital raising, where an independent sponsor might hire a, a broker to do that. Could you explain a little bit more our, our role here at McGuire Woods? Yeah, sure. No problem. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's great to be a part of it, Greg, and uh, it's great to be part of the team. So I think there's a distinction to be made between what we call investor introductions and capital raising in general. I think the main distinction is that we don't charge any money to make these investor introductions. We do this as a, as a service to help our clients and prospective clients and, and others in our network meet each other and find opportunities that, that they, otherwise they wouldn't have seen and ultimately to uh, do successful private equity deals. Whereas a placement agent or an investment banker that's doing an equity placement is going to charge a fee and that's their business. The, the way that we make money obviously is to represent clients who are doing M&A deals and represent them as their legal counsel. So my role and the work that I do is kind of a a value add and we do it basically just for the purpose of business development and helping um, create value for others. Great. Yeah, no, that that's a helpful introduction. And, you know, we, we really wanted to start off this episode with uh, that little bit of a, a quasi disclaimer there <laughs> that we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that touches upon industries that are regulated, such as such as raising capital and so wanted to start off with a disclaimer, but but with that out of the way, let's talk about, Christian, what it looks like 
for an independent sponsor who, you know, just has a new deal in hand, maybe he, maybe he or she is in talks with a target company, uh, even, even pre letter of intent with a target company. When, when that independent sponsor gives McGuire Woods a call and you're on the phone with that independent sponsor, what resources can we bring to, to help that independent sponsor at that stage in the deal process? I think the first goal in helping an independent sponsor find investors and, and uh, receive investor introductions from us is to help them find capital that's going to hopefully get the deal done. And so different independent sponsors are have different levels of familiarity with the types of uh, investors that are out there in the market. And I think the first step is to get an, a, a clear understanding of what is this particular opportunity and introducing this process that we use. So maybe um, I'll say a little bit more about that. Our investor introduction process involves finding investors by generating a clear description of the opportunity and then generating a list of proposed investors that we share with the independent sponsor, um, which then they will approve. And once we have an approval for us to reach out and solicit uh, an introduction to an investor, then we send an email and that email shares the opportunity with a potential investor. And when the potential investor says, yes, we would like an introduction to this independent sponsor, we make that introduction and then we step away. We don't participate in anything past that initial introduction. And in fact, you know, we, we ask people to just drop us out of the email string and communicate with each other directly at that point. Yeah, yeah. And describe to me the profile of, of some of the capital sources in our network, be it you know, family offices, private equity funds, et cetera. And are you seeing any trends there over the past couple of years as far as the, the types of capital providers that are investing in independent sponsor deals? Yeah, sure. I think of about five different categories. Uh, this, is, this is a rough list of five categories. And I think of them um, on a spectrum of highest imperative to deploy capital to lowest imperative to deploy capital. On the end of the spectrum where there's the highest imperative to deploy capital, that's a traditional blind pool fund that is in the business of of investing capital uh, on behalf of its investors. On the opposite end would be a a private individual or a a family office that, you know, is not required by anybody to go and, you know, deploy capital. So those are the two extremes. and, And I'll just kind of walk you through from alongside that a little bit. So I think of asset managers as being pretty close to um, traditional GPs. An asset manager is a little different because asset managers aren't often pure controlled private equity firms. They're, they can often be a fund of funds group. They can be a dedicated vehicle at, a, at an insurance company. They can be a balance sheet investing group at a, an investment banking firm. These are groups that look like an institutional investor and are an institutional investor, but they have different capital, different requirements in their investments. Then we have credit funds. Credit funds, I think, distinguish themselves between firms that will write an equity check and firms that won't write an equity check. And then we have large family offices and small family offices. Those are the approximately the five groups that we think about. Got it. And 
you know, and, and any trends as far as whether you're seeing more of one category of an, of investor over the other. I know, um, you know, Mez equity shops have always been major players as far as partnering with independent sponsors. I'm I'm continuing to see robust activity with with that category of capital provider. But any other kind of recent developments? Yeah, yeah, I would say that you know, Mez equity funds fall generally into that uh, credit fund category and they're more credit oriented, obviously. I would say, you know, one trend is that there's been, I think a lot of non-bank lenders that have raised funds that allow for um, equity co-invests in their transactions. So we're seeing more of those. We've also seen an increase in multifamily offices that are pooling capital among many different uh, families together. And it's interesting because in some cases, they will often in some way look like an independent sponsor, so the lines can get a little blurry. And then one of the last trends that I'll just mention is a, a significant increase in the number of funds that specifically go after this particular independent sponsor category. And you know their value proposition is that, hey, w- you know w- we have a mechanism to help independent sponsors raise capital, uh, raise equity capital very quickly. And if you are essentially on our approved list, you're gonna be fast-tracked when you have an opportunity and uh, will be a, a ready and willing investor alongside you in your transactions. That's something that gives the independent sponsor a lot of certainty and security when they're kind of out there hustling and looking for deals. Yeah, that's that's interesting. On on the latter trend, I've I've been seeing that as well. And you know, last month's podcast, even we were referring to the independent sponsored niche as being its its own asset class almost. And so you've got um you've got these new funds being raised with the focus on investing in independent sponsors as an asset class, which is which is super interesting. You know, as you think about an independent sponsor maybe seeking to get on the approved list of one of these new funds, what are these what are these new funds that are independent sponsor specific? What attributes are they looking for in the independent sponsor? And what are sort of the pros and cons for an independent sponsor of linking up with one of those funds? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's amazing the onboarding process that some of these groups have to get uh, independent sponsors on their list. And I think generally speaking, an independent sponsor that's gonna be successful in raising capital from one of these dedicated funds is gonna be somebody that knows how to find uh, an opportunity that is an attractive opportunity that requires a certain amount of capital. Typically, I think these firms are looking for independent sponsors that have kind of a minimum equity need of I would say it's it's fairly common of, of 20 million uh, or more with a potential to um, to invest more than that in a single transaction. A good rule of thumb is a typical private equity firm is going to make 10 investments out of a single fund. So if it's a $250 million fund, that's 10, approximately 10, $25 million checks that might be uh, per platform. However, you'll find firms that will say, okay, we're, we're targeting two to $5 million equity checks. So the advice I would give to the independent sponsor is um, have a clear identity that allows the capital provider to kind of put you in their box, hopefully, which often that means they're going to look to 
that prioritize people that they're going to be able to do three or four or five deals with before they go out and raise their first fund. And ideally, somebody that has experience with their with their partner uh, in, in doing these investments, has experience doing these transactions, ideally has experience uh, returning capital to investors. And I would say those are those are some general bullets. Great. Did I cover uh, the question? Absolutely. The, it, it's an interesting development for sure. So taking a step back, when we think about an independent sponsor who is getting ready to approach the equity markets, setting aside the the debt finance markets, which it's a little more developed. And, and we see, you know, frankly, less of our independent sponsors probably reaching out with questions on the debt finance market, because it can be more straightforward in, in many respects, although we do, you know, make introductions on that front a fair amount. But again, if you're thinking about the first conversation that you're having with with an independent sponsor who who gives us a call and says, you know, how should I think about the equity piece of this transaction? You know, one one piece of that question is who can you McGuire Woods introduce me to? Um, can you introduce me to some investors in your network, which is something we're all, always happy to do. As you mentioned, we will put together a couple bullets on the deal and make those introductions. But I think I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but another part of your role when you're having those conversations, Christian, is just sharing your wisdom as far as, you know, what you've seen independent sponsors separately out there doing, raising capital when when they are making calls to capital providers and or, you know, working with a placement agent to help think about capital sources. So it's kind of a holistic discussion. What are some initial points and ideas that you try to communicate to that independent sponsor. One thing I'm thinking about is I hear sometimes I, I really want to work with family offices. I, I just, I only, I only want to approach family offices. So, so let's think about that. Do you think there's wisdom in that? Do you think it's better to cast a wide net? Anyways, just your thoughts on high level bullets would, would be helpful. Sure. That was like a seven part question. So uh, <laughs> good, good luck with it. <laughs> Uh, let's just talk about casting a wide net, first of all. Yeah. Uh, there's three assumptions when you are out there trying to find investors for a deal, I think are important to guide your decision about how wide of a net you're going to cast. The first assumption is what is the target check size that the investor is going to write on average among the cohort of investors that you're going to go target? Let's assume that an independent sponsor has an opportunity and it needs a $20 million equity check. And let's assume that for the sake of simplicity, we're going to go out to try to solicit introductions to a cohort of investors who target a $20 million equity check. So 100% of the amount of equity needed for the particular transaction. So assumption number one is what is the target check size for the investor? Assumption number two is what is the percentage of investors that are going to accept an introductory call from us? The second assumption is what percentage of the investors are going to accept an introductory call with the independent sponsor? And let's assume in this case, it's going to be about 50%. The third assumption is how many investors are actually going to indicate are, are going to be willing to invest in a deal. So let's use this example. Independent sponsor has a $20 million 
equity need. It's an attractive opportunity in, in whatever subjective um, definition that an investor is going to choose. And 5% of investors are going to accept an introductory call. And let's assume that one out of 10 investors is going to invest uh, in this particular opportunity. In that case, you can do some simple math and you can think, okay, well, I, I know that I'm going to need at least 10 investor calls, which means that I'm going to need to reach out to 20 investors for 50% of those to accept a call with me. And if we hit our numbers, then one of those 10 is going to say yes and, and invest in my deal. And that if we're targeting people who write $20 million checks, we're only going to need one investor to say yes. If we happen to target investors who want to write a smaller equity check, like a you know, $1 to $5 million equity check, for example, we just have to increase the numbers. So that, to me, is a very simple way of thinking about casting a wide net. I'll pause there and let you kind of take us where you want to from there, Greg. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And, and you've got to work backwards and think about the pool of whether it's 20 or 40 or 60 you know, investors to approach. I guess a question is, you know, whether at that stage you see a lot of independent sponsors maybe starting with family offices only, starting with MES equity funds only, and then expanding from there, or do you just start off with sort of the widest net possible in, in most scenarios? Yeah, it's a really great question. There's a very, very strong, I think, instinct among independent sponsors to get the equity lined up prior to exclusivity. And I think that we could have our own, maybe you should just uh, consider having a, an entire episode focused on this particular topic. But generally speaking, our investor introduction process seems on an anecdotal basis to work best where the sponsor has exclusivity. It works well, reasonably well when the, when the independent sponsor is close to exclusivity. It works less well when the independent sponsor isn't does not have a current opportunity they're currently they're they're contemplating right now. Makes sense. And on the topic of you know success rates and and talking to people with a deal in hand, what what are the types of deals that are the most investable that that you see from your perspective? What are, what are the attributes that those deals have versus the ones that that no investors really want to touch? Yeah, they look very similar to what probably uh, most people have heard. Uh, if, if you've heard uh, a private equity firm describe their target, their investment criteria, it's fairly common to see the opportunities that are most uh, attractive. So basically, you know, are you buying an attractive company at an attractive price? And what measurements do you have to determine whether the company is attractive or not? And beyond that, are you looking for um, a structure that is quote unquote market. And to the extent that independent sponsors are asking for things that are out of market or trying to, to do deals that are less common, then those are harder to, uh, for us to, to help with. I'll give you an example. And, and th this is just one of, of many hypothetical examples that we can get, but um, an independent sponsor who's raising equity capital in support of a growth equity transaction where there's no leverage 
and uh, the downside case is potentially zero if the investment thesis fails, uh, that, that tends to be less attractive than one where there's leverage. Uh, it's, a, it's a leverage buyout structure. And the downside case is more like one times or one and a half times MOIC. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I I don't see too many growth equity deals uh, in the independent sponsor space. I I've seen some, but I would say the successful deals that I see uh, where there's a very heated competition to fund those deals, they're usually kind of quote boring businesses uh, with with a track record of consistent EBITDA that are acquired at a at a reasonable multiple, maybe there's a little bit of uh, complication or hair on the transaction, which is perhaps the reason why it wasn't a widely banked process or, or how it ends up in the you know the lap of an independent sponsor. But yeah, I, I don't see a lot of the growth equity deals. That's for sure. Well, let, let me just add to that a little bit. It's much harder to raise capital in support of a situation where the independent sponsor was the highest bidder in a competitive auction, for example. That's not a good recipe. A good recipe is one where, like you said, it's a, for whatever reason, it's an off-market transaction or uh, it was a smaller process and the independent sponsor was able to get exclusivity or, or is getting very close to exclusivity at a valuation that allows them to project a base case return that's going to be attractive to you know the type of investor that they're going to go after so anyway uh, that's a good way to think about it mm -hmm. the same thing applies to things like customer concentration and cyclicality uh, in the revenue and industry considerations uh, for example certain high-tech industries are, are sort of you know not attractive to certain investors or you know retail or consumer products are kind of outside the investment mandate of many groups, things like restaurants or anything related to guns or um, sin industries, those tend to be you know, very difficult to raise capital for as opposed to what we think of as more traditional types of industries. Sure. And we touched upon this concept briefly earlier, but the use of placement agents by independent sponsors to help them find equity. I think the placement agents have been around for quite some time. Uh, they're, they might be becoming more prominent. What do you see and what, what's your advice as far as when independent sponsors are trying to make that decision of whether to engage a, a placement agent? It's a good question. There, I think, whereas maybe five years ago or seven years ago, there was there were only a very small handful of placement agents that specialized in raising equity capital for independent sponsors. Uh, there's the proliferation is extraordinary in that particular space, and and I think most independent or most placement agents that will raise lower middle market focused buyout funds will also help uh, independent sponsors raise capital on a deal-by-deal -deal basis. So if I were an independent sponsor, the questions that I would ask a placement agent would revolve around, you know, like things like, have you done this before? What is the strategy that you utilize to raise this type of capital? How do you think of the need or the desire that I have to find the most subjective 
subjectively saying best capital for me versus finding investors and co-investors that will pay economics. In other words, another way of thinking about it is how do you manage the issue of, of representing my interests as an independent sponsor while still maintaining a good relationship with the investors that you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, the, you can see the tension there. You can see the tension there. I think that as we've discussed, Christian, separately, you know, we, we know some very strong, uh, reputable players in, in that industry and some newcomers who, who may or may not be reputable. Uh, we, <laughs> we don't know yet, but no, that, that's a tension. I mean, one, one thing that I'm seeing is that maybe the placement agent route is more applicable for a first or second time independent sponsor from what i've seen many times after an independent sponsor develops a track record and is out there in the field meeting people for several years you know the equity capital raising process just naturally becomes becomes a bit easier and the, and the fees involved with a placement agent may not be may not be needed it's an interesting discussion i highly recommend to independent sponsors that they you know they take each they take each situation uh, on its own. In some cases, a placement agent can be helpful if you need if you need to access a different type of group than or investor than than you're accustomed to dealing with. I'm happy to discuss that kind of on a case by case basis with any listeners that that want to call me and talk about it. Yeah, no, no, that that's a great point, and and many times. It never it never hurts to take a phone call, you know, for each each deal and each specific situation and bounce ideas around. Um, well, Christian, this has been super fun and interesting to have you on to hear about, you know, your world and and what you're focused on day to day. Definitely appreciate your time. Any other parting thoughts, uh, w- words of wisdom for the independent sponsor listeners out there? Yeah, I would say that. The value proposition that McGuire Woods makes, I really do believe is is without parallel because of our ability to leverage the relationships that we have with this amazing and diverse community of investors that look for these types of deals. We have that community. We have that set of relationships by virtue of, I think, a couple of things. One is the independent sponsor networking groups that we have around the country. I know that you helped to lead some of those groups, Greg. I'm involved with some of those groups in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Dallas. We have 14 groups total around the country. And we often will have uh, different investors come and give a brief presentation at these uh, meetings. That's one way that we've developed relationships. The other way is through our conference. Anybody who's uh, an independent sponsor or an investor in independent sponsor deals is is welcome and, and really ought to attend. The conference, so I'll put a plug in for that. And the last thing is that uh, that, that conference is in October in Dallas, and yes. uh, we either Christian or I can send uh, send information along to that. It's not a similar to what we're talking about with our investor introductions. That is not a money making endeavor for McGuire Woods. It's it's an effort to provide value, uh, kind of on a break even basis, but but to get as many people as possible who are investing in independent sponsor deals and independent sponsors in the same room. There are no uh, other service providers invited to that other than us McGuire Woods lawyers. And so I'll uh, second your plug for that, Christian. Good. 
Yeah, and the last thing I would say is that McGuire Woods is, is also different because we're a very collaborative firm and uh, we are able to leverage the relationships that we have as a firm more efficiently than others that we compete with. That makes us, I think, uh, a formidable source of competition to, to uh, you know, the other firms that we compete with because it just makes a huge difference when we're able to draw upon a, a big pool of relationships when we're trying to make introductions for any individual person or, or firm that we're trying to help. So yeah, that little plug is there. And, and also the last thing is that kind of our door is open. We are delighted to help in, in different ways and, and hopefully have a lot of access to market intelligence and, and relationships that can be beneficial and, and even deal flow that can be helpful to those people that we're meeting. Great. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time, Christian. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal by Deal, a McGuire Woods independent sponsor podcast. To learn more about today's discussion and our commitment to the independent sponsor community, please visit our website at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.